Hello and welcome to the New in Chess podcast. My name is Ramot Otte and I'm the publisher of New in Chess. I will be interviewing authors about their chess books. And our first guest is Grandmaster Daverin Koljasevich. We will talk about his book Ding Liren's Best Games. It was published last year in November um, and it tells the story of Ding Liren's rise from a prodigy to the world championship. Uh, you can read his life story and you can replay 58 of Ding's best games. Most of the games are annotated by Koljasevic, but 11 of those games are annotated by the world champion himself. Before we start, I would like to thank our presenting sponsor, uh, DGT, the world famous producer of chess clocks and chess sets. And when Ding played Napo in Kazakhstan about the, for the world championship title, he played on a DGT set and a, with a DGT clock. And the nice thing that you at home can play with the same set and clock as the world champion. Um, if you're interested, you can find the DGT products in our shop and in all other chess shops worldwide. But back to Ding and back to the author. Daverin, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me, Remelt. Uh, doing, doing well. Okay. Where, where are you at the moment? At the moment, I'm at home in uh, Plovdiv, Bulgaria. Okay. You are from Croatia. How, how did you end up in Bulgaria? Well, my wife is Bulgarian, so that's the connection. But uh, I used to live in, in many different places. Uh, lived for first uh, 18 years in Croatia and then studied in the USA. I lived a little bit in the uh, United Arab Emirates uh, as a chess coach. And uh, yeah, finally, I settled here in Bulgaria. Okay. Well, I'm very happy that you uh, were available to talk about Ding Liren. It is already the fifth book that you wrote for New in Chess. You started with Beyond Material, your specialty. Uh, the don't be afraid to sacrifice material and have fun at the chessboard. Um, yes. And then you came up during COVID with a real bestseller, How to Study Chess on Your Own. You followed up with two workbooks with exercise so that you uh, the, the, the reader can really start uh, studying at home and then the, the fifth book is is about Ding why why were you interested in Ding? I've been interested in Ding's uh, career and games for a long time and of course uh, after he won the world championship match I was uh, really happy for him and and it was a quite quite an exciting match so there were some ideas to write about the match itself but since like I said I I enjoyed uh, Ding's um, games for a long time. Uh, I thought it would be a really good moment to to write a book on this uh, great player and also his uh, sort of story arc, his his whole chess career is quite interesting. I mean, he comes from a country that's a little bit exotic uh, for most of you know people in the in the West, and uh, it was interesting just to investigate you know that that part of of that. Chess, of his chess career when he started out in China and then just followed this whole um, progression from you know a regular GM to uh, a top level GM and finally a super GM uh, and, and the world champion and especially uh, the way he made it to the this to the candidates tournament first and then to qualify to become a, a challenger for the world champion that's that's a really fascinating story yeah. that I wanted to explore yeah Okay, we are recording this early January, uh, and um, Ding is playing in the Tata Steel Chess Tournament in the Netherlands, uh, starting January 13. But 
since his world championship title, he only played the tournament in Bucharest that he was already committed to. And then he, he went back to China and didn't play for a long time. Were, were you surprised by that? Very surprised. I mean, I, I expected a, a break for of a couple of months. And I think he was scheduled to play uh, maybe a speed chess tournament on chess.com in... I might, I might be making a mistake, but it was one of those online tournaments in September yep. where he ba- backed out for uh, health reasons. And then no one really knew you know, what was going on with him. Then news came from China that he was spotted as a commentator in, in I think, Asian games. Yep. So I, I, I have, was a bit surprised by uh, his long absence, but some sort of break was expected uh, just because this... this you know he's kind of a private person too. It seems so. He wants to maybe get away from all the attention he's been getting as a world champion. And as he said in his interview after one of the interviews after the the match, is that he wants to build a really uh, professional uh, approach and you know strong team with supercomputers to uh, make sure that he can withstand the attacks from the young generation who <laughs> who might want to replace him. And okay. and if Magnus Carlsen decides to fight for for the title again that you know he's ready for that yeah that, that you quote that interview in the book that his ambitions are really high aren't they yes yes he said that his ambition his main ambition is not to become world champion but to become the best player in the world something that you know we can say magnus carlsen has been for a long time now uh without any reservations so he definitely wants to replace magnus as the best player in the world uh, he said that the best compliment he can get is that someone tells him he played he played like like a three thousand plus Elo player, basically like a computer. Okay, yeah, that's really nice. So that's that's high ambition. So yeah, Ding is yeah. scheduled for 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 Tata in Weikanzee, and then afterwards he will play in a tournament in Germany, nine sixty tournament, including uh, games against Magnus. So that will be quite something. But I I would like to go back to the beginning as well. Uh, in the book, you you write that you already started following Ding when he was 16. How is that possible? How can you pick up a player so early? Yeah, I think it was 2007 or 2008 when I saw his name first, basically, you know, as chess professional, which I wasn't at the time, but I was like semi-professional. I I, I did prepare a lot for, for the tournaments and, you know, my repertoire and so on. And I, I was active, you know, researching uh, the database with, you know, games of... of uh, strong players, but then Ding's game just came up uh, as a part of my search for new weapons in the French defense and as white player, uh, white D4 player. So because he had some really good surprising results, mm, you know, as a 2400 player back then, he used to like beat 2600 grandmasters and draw against 2700 players, and so it's surprising when you see that then when you see that a couple of times you think okay this player might have something and just going through his games i i realized he's he's very underrated and also his playing style appealed to me he he played very classical yet quite aggressive when it needs to be uh you know, he's not afraid to take the initiative in the game especially or i mean even against uh, the high rated opponents and you know, that made an impression on me. And since then, I, I started following his games. And suddenly, in 2009, he, he won the the Chinese uh, championship, when he where he was one of the lowest-seeded players. And we know that chess in China is very strong. They, they've been Olympic champions and, and world team champions multiple times. So 
that's that's when everyone you know learned about Ding Liren as a 16 year old. But I've noticed his games even a little bit earlier than that. So it's both that he had surprising results, but also his playing style attracted you. Yes. Yes. This podcast is brought to you by DGT, the chess innovators. DGT designs, develops, manufactures and distributes a wide range of chess products worldwide, such as digital chess clocks and game timers, as well as electronic chess boards, chess computers and chess accessories. DGT has devoted the last 30 years to innovating chess with technology. To find your nearest DGT dealer, please visit our website at dgt.nl. That's, that's something in the book that set, sets it apart from uh, a regular biography. Uh, in chapter two, you try to synthesize what makes him special. What, what are the, the 10 special treats of, of Ding? And you, you divide it in two. You have core qualities and you have matured qualities. Can you explain a bit more about that? How you, how you look at the player and try to find out what, what makes him special? So in, in Ding's case, uh, from some of his earlier games, it was obvious that uh, some of these qualities were, were there. For example, his calculation skill was there when he was already a young player, you know, very sharp, not afraid to enter uh, complicated positions, not afraid to sacrifice material to, to gain initiative. This was obvious from the first games. Also, his play with the bishop pair and, you know, the way he coordinates pieces in general. So, so that you can sense in, you know, in the first games uh, that you see of this player. But then there are also some qualities which are called the mature qualities, which anyone has to develop, right? You can see the talent immediately, but uh, some skills you simply have to develop by playing against strong players. And so these mature qualities, such as his maneuvering skill, um, uh, endgame technique, uh, and and playing imbalanced positions, you know, these things, and of course, psychological re resilience, uh, you simply have to develop these over time. And Dink has managed to do this successfully, in, in my view. And this is something that not every chess player achieves. You know, there are certain obstacles, whether, you know, lifestyle ob obstacles or psychological obstacles. Some players don't become the best they can be because of these things. But I think to a large degree, Dink has managed to, to achieve that. One of the things that you, you mentioned as the core qualities that he already had when he was younger, before he, he entered the elite, is, is active and fearless play with his king. That, that, sounds, that sounds interesting, <laughs> that may, may be hard to achieve for, for a club player or an amateur, but can you, can you explain about, about that a bit more? Yes, I, I was, it was interesting to find out uh, about this, uh, because I don't think I've noticed this uh, from you know like generally following his games but diving into you know hundreds of his games from his career i've noticed even from the early age he wasn't he's not afraid to use the king as an active piece in a sense so it's not only in the end game but even in the middle game mm -hmm. so he can evaluate when his king is in real danger and when it can be defended and in the book i've given a number of games not only in chapter 2 where i you know, give a couple of examples of this quality, but also there are some games like, you know, his game against Rapport, his game against the Chinese uh, Grandmaster Nihua, a couple of other games where you can see he's not afraid, for example, to travel with his king from one flank to the other. He can evaluate the risk properly. And also there are some examples where he uses the king in, in very unexpected ways, where he even attacks with the king, where there's like, uh, there are a couple of heavy pieces on the board and he's not afraid to launch his king forward. 
And the best example of that is when he recreated the famous short theme on King Walk, the king going from H2 to H6. Yeah. That's that's his game against fairly unknown Chinese player, like 2021, 20, 2200. And I don't think the game is really well known in general. I was really delighted to find this this nice nice example. Yeah, that, that, that that's you mentioned the short Timon game. That's where short walks with his king to h6 so that he can checkmate the black king with with the queen from f6 to g7. Yes. Yeah, that's that's very famous. Um, and so, so Ding Ding had something like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is is that something that uh, an amateur player can relate to? Should if you have if you have students who are playing at a club, can they? Is is that something that you try to learn them as well? Well, I, these are some exceptions. I mean, this is not a, a regular position you will get in a game. You know, this this is once in a lifetime position yeah, yeah, that yeah. I don't think it's applicable to every single person. But it's it's a part of chess that we can all enjoy, I believe. Yeah, yeah but but maybe if you combine those two things, the willingness to take risk and sacrifice material, and the willingness to to use your king as a weapon as well, is that is that is, are those two related and? Uh, maybe those are f- quite difficult for club players to to use in games because yeah, you, usually you are afraid and you, you you you're not able to calculate so far that you can see that there's no risk. Uh, well, I, I will tell you one you know small ad- anecdote from one of my le- chess lessons uh, last year. I there was this moment uh, in in a student's game where he could have taken risk to sacrifice material for some sort of long term compensation or attack. Mm-hmm. And we analyzed it a little bit and, you know, he understood. And he, to- he told me, look, Davern, I understand this whole concept, but even now that you showed this to me, I don't think I would play it in a game. Why? It's simply what you said. It's it's that sort of fear and, and maybe even not only the fear of that position that may arise, but the fear that you won't be able to calculate everything precisely and you might miss something mm-hmm. on, on the way. So it is definitely an advanced skill, you know. Uh, yep. For for certain club players, this might uh, seem too risky. But I, I always think that if one has uh, an issue with something, it, you always need to try to not ignore it. But in this case, see as many ex- examples as you can, so that this, if it's not the second nature to you, at least that you are somewhat comfortable with this this kind of this concept. Yeah, because we're at the beginning of the year, so a lot of people have resolutions for the ne- this year what they're going to do, and I wished my teammates uh, lots of sacrifices this year because that's 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 the, those are the games that you will remember at the end of the year at least you will have fun you might lots lose of a few correct but... correct sacrifices yeah <laughs> yeah the keyword okay you analyzed a lot of uh, his games what what is the, the the best ever game that he played it has to be uh, his immortal game against by now I, i'm not sure how it's pronounced in yeah. in, in uh, chinese but by jinshi yeah, in the Chinese league, this was in 2017. Mm-hmm. And why why is it such a special game? It included a king walk, but his opponent walked his king all the way from e1 to h5, only to get checkmated and Ding sacrificed his queen to achieve that. Mm-hmm. And it's it it reminded me of a position from this famous variant of chess uh, called Backhouse, where you know how you sacrifice. It doesn't matter. You sacrifice material at the end. The goal is to checkmate the king. <laughs> It was very much a position from from Buckhaus. If if you didn't show me the game, I would think that's a Buckhaus game. <laughs> so Ding managed to play Buckhaus in a regular over the board game without a partner. Yeah. Without a partner, without uh, without extra pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sacrificed the queen and the rook, which could should not uh, could not have been accepted. 
And then, yeah, his opponent was in multiple mating patterns were around around his opponent king. Eventually, uh, on the H file, it was just indefensible. Yeah. This this game is included in the book, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Is it with the notes by Ding himself? No, this one I I believe I annotated this okay, one. Yeah, but uh, because we in the book are in, are eleven games that are annotated by Ding himself. He did those those game notes for New Inches Magazine, and uh, he gave us permission to to use them in the book as well. What what did you you learn from his his own game notes? Did it reveal anything about his personality? Yes, uh, I I think his it's it seems to me like he's more laid back during the game than. Uh, I thought initially, uh, like sometimes he would say things like, uh, yeah, I didn't see this move, but it's like not a big deal. Right. Or he doesn't seem to be too hung up on his mistakes, which are few in the games, but yes, yeah, still something like he makes an inaccuracy and, and he like, or, or even his, his excellent moves, like his strong moves. He, he's not like, he doesn't give exclamation marks or question marks unduly or not too much at all. So it seems like his emotional state, like, just like he said in, in one of the interviews, is quite level during the game, which is extremely important for a chess professional that you don't have these up and ups and downs during the game. Because you know, like every chess player knows this, let's say you miss something by your opponent, even if it's not a very good move, but you still miss it in your calculations, you can get upset. Yeah. And uh, it seems to me like he's a good role model for you know being uh, emotionally stable dur- during the game. What did you learn yourself from an- analyzing all those games? Is there anything that you will add to your own play? Well, I have to play chess in order to do that, and I don't <laughs> do it so much these days. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not very active in, in tournament play, but I definitely learned something that I can pass on to my students. I have a lot of teaching material now. Mm-hmm. And some of these things, like I said, that I discovered in, in his in his chess were really fascinating. Uh, like we said, this uh, playing with his king and definitely when, the way he handles imbalanced positions, this is something, again, this is an advanced skill, but it, it is something that you know, I've learned quite a bit from. Okay. Will you play a tournament this year? Do you have anything scheduled? I, I don't, unfortunately, uh, yet. No. But it's a long year, so we'll see. <laughs> okay. Just... What makes you um, hesitant to play a tournament? Is it family life or...? Yeah, family life to to a degree. Uh, I mean, I have obligations to uh, my chess students and uh, I have some projects, chess projects, uh, video courses, maybe a chess book to finish the trilogy of how to study chess on your own. Yes, definitely. Uh, So, and, and just in general, I think these days to be a chess professional, it's much easier to be a chess amateur than a chess professional, let me put it that way. But you are a chess professional, in, but only not as a player. You're a coach and a writer and a, and a content Yes, creator. as a player, yeah. as a tournament player, yeah. So yeah. If, I, if I play a tournament, it will be as, as a chess tourist, okay. as, a, as a chess amateur. Yeah. Do you still have room available for, for students? If some of the listeners want to contact you and, and become a student, is that possible? Yes, very few, but uh, yes, still. Okay. okay, and how can they find you? Uh, so I'm soon p- putting uh, my uh, webpage uh, online. Uh, it's work in progress, uh, but they can find me on Lee Chess uh, in the coaches section as well as on Chess.com. Okay, in the coaches section of those two websites, we'll we'll post links in the in the in the notes to the podcast. So if people will want to it. look you up, yeah. So you wrote five books for New in Chess. You also worked for Chessable and and other video platforms. Can you tell a bit what you did there? 
on Chessable, I uh, I basically the, the my first book, Beyond Material. Uh, I created a video course uh, based on that book. Okay. And on other platforms, I, for example, Modern Chess platform, I typically either publish opening courses or uh, they have sort of seminars, online seminars uh, for a few days where we cover certain themes from middle games or end games. So I basically have done all sorts of, I've, I've covered all sorts of uh, themes uh, from all areas of the game uh, in these uh, video courses for, for other chess websites. Okay. Yeah. And for new in chess, you will, uh, we've published two workbooks to go with the study chess on your own. And you're working on the third chess book. That's for more advanced students, isn't it? Yes, that's going to be. So the first one was for, uh, well, there, there are three levels. One is for 15 to 1800. The other one is 18 to 2100. And uh, the third one will be 2100 plus. So potentially even for title players. Yeah. Okay. And uh, are you already willing to reveal what you're project will be after that or you'll keep it secret for a while i have some ideas but it's early days okay okay have you ever met ding liren in person unfortunately not i've i've not met maybe in person but i've I've seen all all the other top players uh in in different tournaments uh even last year in in norway chess i I, i've seen most of the top players but ding was not there Mm -hmm. uh so unfortunately not um he seems like a, a really humble uh, nice guy. Would yeah. be nice to meet him. It would be nice if you can meet him, but we'll 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 try to set it up in future. Maybe, hopefully, he will play the Olympiad as well. And in, in in this year is going to be a great year with the candidates tournament and then the Olympiad in Budapest and the, at the end of the year, hopefully, another world championship title. Match. Yes, title absolutely. Match. Yeah. Are you going to be uh, as a coach at the Olympiad? At the moment, I don't have any uh, engagements no. in okay. that sense. So you're still available as a coach for if a team needs a coach at the Olympiad. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, Davrin, thank you very much for this um, for this conversation. Um, thank you, Ramon. I'm I'm very happy that you uh, contacted New in Chess uh, to um, suggest writing a book about Ding Liren. It's a fantastic collection of 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 games with your annotations and your uh, analysis. You did a great job on the biography as well. It's available both as a hardcover and as a paperback, and uh, you can find it at the New in Chess webshop and everywhere else. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you. Uh, let's let's uh, do another podcast later this year about uh, how to study chess on your own. Good idea. Okay, thanks.